Yeah, I'd like a Jean Grey sandwich, but with some Canadian bacon between the slim buns, please. Welcome to episode 58 of the Mutant Musings podcast. It's the beginning of November 2019, and we'll be discussing some Dawn of X. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me, as always, is a good egg... Patty! Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. We talk about our X-Men likes, dislikes, make dumb jokes, drool over art, and occasionally write porn scripts starring the X-Men. And speaking of porn... If you follow us or listen to us, you better be at least 18 years old. Porn is only for people 18 years of age or older. Younger than 18? No porn for you. You can't just lie about that shit. In fact, don't even fucking take off your clothes. That includes socks. People are into some weird shit. Keep your fucking socks on. If you're 18 or older, get all kinds of naked and get right to the fucking. Seriously, get to the naked fucking right now. We don't mind. We'll hang out here and talk about some of the X-Men while you naked fuck. Like all kinds of naked fuck, there is your explicit content warning. Yay. Three cheers for naked fuck. Yeah. Yeah. So what's going on with you? What? What's the... What? I wasn't prepared this for is, that. This is when we talk about what's going on in our lives briefly. Usually I'm the one that asks you how, how oh, Patty's doing. Oh, that's right. I went yeah. to uh, bingo yesterday for the first time. <laughs> uh, I didn't win anything. Uh, neither did any of the people that I went with. Nobody won bingo. Family. There was no Nobody bingo. Nobody won bingo. There was no. no bingo. No, there was, there were like people, the guy would call like six numbers and somebody would be like, bingo. And I'd be like, you fucking lying hoe. And my mom is like, language. And my aunt is visiting from Florida and she is also a potty mouth, which I think that maybe being around that when I was little, like influenced me and thought like, oh wow, she's so cool. Yeah, blame and, it on society, Patty. Yeah. Okay, No, fine. I'm not blaming it on society. I'm blaming it on my aunt. Florida woman. Who lives in a... Oh, Florida woman. All right, never mind. Florida woman. She lives separate from a society. <laughs> she was like, no, you do you. I got your back. You say you, say you fucking hoe all you want. My mom never tells her to watch her language, so I don't know what that's about. Yeah, we got to get to this because we have a fundraiser to get to Damn for... It. But I wanted to talk about Danganronpa. Oh, yes. Talk yeah, about Danganronpa. Yeah, because we have to convince just one listener, one listener out there to play through this fucking I series. We just finished it. to get Mark to play. Does you it, know oh, yeah, Mark. Does, yeah, I know Mark. He listens. He listens to us. Sometime. I told him to watch Future Diary, and that turned out to be one of his favorite shows. Oh, so he listened. So okay. he listened. So if he took my recommendation on that, I'll tell him this is like Future Diary. And he likes dirt <laughs> fucked up shit, too. So, you know. It's so good. It's so good, you guys. You guys, oh my god. Okay. You guys need to play it. It's so fucking good. So, from my understanding, it is similar to Phoenix Wright. Am I, am I it right? It is very that? similar to Phoenix Wright. But, but better. much more better. depressing. Yes. <laughs> yes, and also depressing. But seriously, you guys have to play it. It's uh, it's all this, these fucking high school killing games but it's like more than that there's like a lot of funny stuff that happens and also the characters you'll laugh them, you'll cry yeah you'll fall in love and yeah and get horny and we so we just finished the the final game because unfortunately the the team that made the danganronpa series for the fucking company i don't even remember them off the top of my head now they all left they left the company to go fucking do their own thing so no more danganronpa for now so we just finished what appears to be the final game right now and there were a couple of characters i absolutely fell in love with but like 
You can't just leave it where they left it. Like you can't you can't do that. That like up until this final game, everything was so good and wrapped up so nicely, and now this just opened up other possibilities, maybe? I really don't like the explanation that they gave in the third game. The explanation that they gave in the second game I thought was brilliant and oh so devastating. Like you feel like just this overwhelming sense of dread, kind of like Age of Apocalypse, where like everything is shit. So so anyway, so there's that. Just fucking just play through the first game, okay? And and then start playing the second game and finish that. And if if you're still iffy, then play the Ultra Despair Girls. Play Ultra Despair Girls. And if you're still iffy after that, just watch the fucking third game anim- which is an anime and if you're still iffy after that play the final game and then after that talk to us yeah yeah the first two games are available uh they they originally came out for ps vita which fucking 10 no. people have in america so no. whatever they um re-released it on ps4 um a bundle of the first two games and when i got it it was like 20 bucks i think originally it's 40 but sometimes they have sales so Whatever. It's worth $40. I would have paid $40 for both of them, so. <laughs> okay. Um, all right, so with, with that being said, uh, we're going to talk about some comics. We we are finally there. We've gotten some Dawn of X. Some docs. We've got some docs. How but... do you know it's pronounced X? Dawn oh, of X. How do you know it's not Dawn of Ten? It's Dawn of the Cross. Guys, I took, I took <laughs> Jonathan to church when my mom makes me go for these um, holiday things. I'm an atheist, so I think that, like, you know, everything that they do is ridiculous, but they have this one particular day where the priest <laughs> is like carrying this, um, uh, it's like a blanket yeah, with but... Jesus on it or something around Easter. And he takes it and then the rest of the people follow him and you walk around the block. <laughs> you, you walk in the middle of this not very safe area in april when it is um i don't know where you guys live but it's fucking cold here in april it's still around like 40 30 degrees it was raining the one time i i went with you for for that (laughs) um all right so so yeah so we do have some dawn of x to talk about but if you guys didn't know and i feel like i've said this every time for the past couple of issues we are still getting dead man logan or we were until now because now it's over uh, Dead Man Logan number 12 concluded. I was looking forward to this so much. Of course, we know what's going to happen. But, you know, I just wanted to see how they were going to do it. You know, if, if they did a good job doing it. And in my opinion, they really did. They really did. So, so yeah. So, Logan calls Danny a good egg. And I feel like that was tied into something else we're going to talk about in a little bit. Yes. So, yeah, he calls Danny a good egg. And then, sure, he shoots the last of the Regenics. And then there's this fight scene, which is, like, really gruesome. You see little baby Hulk boy rip off an arm. And the action is really is really gross. Logan and Sabretooth obviously fight. And uh, there's this, like, look on Logan's face that, like, he's going to lose his shit. And he does. He literally tears Victor apart. But at, at the same time I see that, I'm like, okay, but you literally just referenced how you once cut him up to, into pieces and spread it all over the place. And then somebody put Humpty Dumpty all back together again. So I don't know what the difference is going to be here. Somebody's got to eat him. Maybe there won't be anybody to put him back together this time because they killed... Not all the king's horses? <laughs> Patty, what about all the king's they, men? They killed <laughs> They killed some of the king's men. Yeah, no, they killed some of his goons. But I don't know. Who really wants to put him back together? I don't know. Whatever. He knows he's dying. Really? What? Yes. Logan? Yes. Logan Howlett, that everybody calls him, which is a name that doesn't exist? Yes. Logan James. <laughs> Logan... That's a porn actor, isn't it? Is it? 
I don't know porn actors. Oh, no, I'm thinking that... Ron, Ron um, Jeremy? Yes, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> Is that what you were thinking of? No, I was thinking of Logan Paul, that fucking douchebag on YouTube. Oh. Sorry. Sorry, never mind. Fuck that guy. That, that's an official mutant musing stance on Logan Paul, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sinister Sin- shows up. Sinister is there. Yeah, he and, shows up. And, uh, and then, uh, he gets, uh, his face caved in, so who cares that about him? That was hilarious. Uh, he, bye. He rolls up like, like he's gonna do something badass, and Danny is just, nope, whoosh, throws a fucking hammer, and there Yeet. he goes. So, yeah, but then, then, yeah, Logan wants then, to go be with his family. Who is dead. Who is dead. So. This is sad. It was sad. He was like, oh, I love you so much. I'm sorry I let you down. I hope that when I see you, you can forgive me, which is sad. It's really and... sad because he was like, no matter how tough things got, they had each other. You know you know what I mean? And that's the moral of the story. <laughs> Don't make jokes and do your mean smile. Okay, no, no jokes about this comic. This comic <laughs> is, we're just not going to make jokes. Just forget it. That's, that's not what this show is about. <laughs> but it was so sad patty and that but like you know like i liked the art you know you get like these close-ups of logan's face and he's like crying and then like the light starts to wash over him and then he lays down and dies yeah and then you know bruce and danny bury him and then they they go on their way they're like we're gonna keep fighting but we'll find somewhere to call home and that's that's sweet but it was just how they were going to do it and what kind of like emotional impact it was going to have. Was it going to be effective enough on the reader? For me, it was. For me, it was so sad. I read it. I asked Patty if she had read it yet. And I was just like, it's really sad. She's like, well, duh. I'm like, don't, don't fucking belittle me and my feelings like this, Patty. Don't, don't. Don't Stuart Little me. Um, Whoa, what? Whoa, what? I never seen that movie. That's uh, the, me neither. It's but mouse, it's about right? a mouse. Yeah. yeah it's the mouse. Um, <laughs> full disclosure: I read this this morning when I was <laughs> sitting at a blood draw place waiting yep. to get my blood drawn. This first thing in the morning, I had just woken up, and so this did not really have a big impact on me because I was just trying to rush through all these books God. to get them read because I had an essay to work on. And I had a lot of stuff to read over this week. I had to cram all of these in today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, Wait, no, he's dead. Don't do any cramming. <laughs> <laughs> so it was not uh, very impactful for me, but it was probably just because of the situation, honestly. I did get my blood drawn. That went okay. They took so much blood. Patty. Jonathan. We're going to make this about you now? Yes. You know who doesn't Jonathan, have any blood everything anymore? Everything is about me. Dead Man Logan doesn't have any blood anymore, okay? Well, <laughs> we should have got some of his healing blood before we buried him. <laughs> All I'm saying, because like, did they, they they like used it to help one of the Morlock kids in that uh, episode, right? Was it the Christmas episode? <laughs> it was. Yeah. Which people hate, according to that book that I'm still reading through. Yeah, there were a couple of stupid things in that episode, sure, but I love it. I, I lo- that's one of my favorite fucking episodes of X Men: The Animated Series. But oh, and I saw this. Speaking of like weird things that you found out. I don't know if this is true. I didn't fact check this. Good. I found this on a page on Facebook. This is what we that do. It was a meme that started out saying that um, Peter David was responsible for the idea of Magneto ripping out Wolverine's skeleton. Yeah. And he presented it as a joke. And then they he found out that they wanted to do it and he tried to stop them. And then it said Jeffrey Epstein didn't commit suicide. Whoa. Which was... That, that half I know is true. I know that half is true. I don't know if the first half is true, but I will put my eggs in that basket because Peter David is my favorite writer. 
You're bringing it back to the egg. Bringing it back to the egg. That took me a second. But anyway, I'm not entirely happy that this series gave this fake closure to the situation with Mysterio. But, like, as far as Logan is concerned, it was done and over with. You know, the situation with Sabretooth and Sinister, also done. Uh, you know Danny is going to be okay because she's fucking Thor now. I think she's even going to be starring in a, another series going forward, actually. They are milking the cheat of dead man Logan, old man <laughs> Logan, everything. All of the old men. Hulk Hogan Logan. All of the... <laughs> Danny man Logan. All of the deads. <laughs> all of the olds. Everything is getting milked. So Eggman Logan, Milkman Logan, <laughs> lactose intolerant Logan. This does not surprise me at all that they're making another story based on Danny. Surprise Patty Logan. <laughs> but this was a great series. And I'm honestly, I'm kind of surprised that I still liked it so much uh, and thought that it was really well balanced, even though literally half of this series was in the 616 and had to do with Mysterio. Then the other half just jumped into the fucking wastelands and had to do with all that. I, I don't know. I'm I'm really happy with this series overall. The ending was sad. It was effective. And I am probably going to miss him a little bit now. It's one of those things where it was like, fuck, you, you know, they killed off fucking middle-aged man Logan. And then, you know, he was gone. And it's like, oh, thank God we can do without him for a little while. But then immediately bring back, bring in old man Logan to fucking fill that hole. We're, you know, all like, oh, Logan's good at filling holes. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, why do we have to do this? Just fucking, you know, but now that he's gone, it's like, uh, I don't know how I feel now. But whatever, it's done. Uh, All right, so moving on, we've got X-Men number one. Woo. Patty. Jonathan. It's X-Men number one. Yeah, did you buy an? Did you buy a physical copy of this? No. It's going to be worth like $5,000 six months from now. I don't think that this book necessarily had to be titled X-Men. I, I don't know. Whoa. I feel like any of these books could have been titled X-Men. <laughs> um, other than Marauders, I guess. Do you, do you want me to blow your mind right now? Yeah, do it. Okay, so I want you to look at the letters. In- oh, yeah, no, I know this. Fuck, damn it! Okay, fine, you the listener. <laughs> if you didn't see this, and it has been making its rounds... Look at the letters in X-Men and think about the order in which we're getting the Dawn of X books, right? So you've got X-M-E-N. We got X-Men, Marauders, Marauders, Excalibur, and New Mutants is next. X-M-E-N. Yeah. Yep. But there are more books than that. And it's almost X-Men as fuck. X-Men as fuck. But it's not. X-Men as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) So I was, I'm not I'm not too crazy about this book. I thought it was okay, but for me it wasn't it wasn't groundbreaking. It was, I feel like a first issue is supposed to really like pull you in, and I don't feel pull me in, Patty. I didn't really feel pulled. Pull me in. <laughs> I don't. I'm, I'm backing it up into the Patty station. <laughs> pull me in. <laughs> I'm a little tugboat. Whoa, uh, whoa! I got something for you to tug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Wait, was this uh, interior art done by uh, the same guy that did the cover? Yes. Because I feel like he draws Rachel really weird. I feel like she always looks like uh, like a doll, like an action figure, like just really stiff. I'm not crazy about the artist. Um, Me either. So that's my first thing. My second thing Uh-oh. is I don't like Polaris's new headpiece at all. Why? It looks like a bird or something. I don't know. I hate it. I hate it. I just, I hate it. <laughs> we, you don't need to, you don't need to fix perfection. So... That's what's happening. What's happening in this issue? I forget. <laughs> so uh, so it opens with uh, Xavier and a young Scott. Oh, yeah. And uh, 
He's like, you know, choosing to keep your eyes closed because you're scared. That's what they do. And oh, the things I will show you. And so that was cute. That's like a Dr. Seuss book. Is it? Oh, the things. Oh, the places you'll go. That's what I'm thinking. Well, this is oh, the things I will show you. Okay. Same concept. (laughs) So Xavier is Dr. Seuss. Continue. So we're keeping the name Prestige, by the way. I hate it. I I, I do too. I really like out of anything that you're going to keep from Guggenheim. We're going to keep Prestige, but not Simon. That's upsetting. Yeah, what, where, what happened to him? He's just going to disappear yes. because yep. because yep. Cena Grace isn't working on it anymore? Correct. I, I heard that they didn't want him to work on any more X-Men books because like they only want him to do gay stuff. I don't know. This is just something that I heard. Uh, I wasn't able to confirm it, but also apparently yeah. he came up with the idea for the pirate stuff. I don't know if that's true, but he... Uh... I don't know if that's true, but I read it. <laughs> so I'm just... I'm Listen, just... we are not CNN. We are not the most <laughs> trusted name in news, all right? <laughs> don't take this as news. We read it, we report it. <laughs> don't verify it. It might be true. It might not be true. You decide. <laughs> we report, you decide. Oh my God, never say those words, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, anyway, the, uh, what I thought was interesting was the the title of this issue is Pax Krakoa, like Hickman's own book, Pax Romana, uh, which I didn't know the meaning of, which means the peace that existed between nationalities within the Roman Empire. So just replace that with the Krakoan Empire. I thought that was nifty. You know, the opening is Storm, is Storm and Cyclops. They're going into this apparently last stronghold of Orcus, which, you know, we, we met them during Hoxpox. We know that they're shitty people, so fine. I did like Scott's dialogue. Uh, for years, we've endured small wins. We called incremental change progress when what we really needed was a giant leap forward. And and he's right. So this was neat. So it was just the two of them, and they're, they're going through all these guards, and we've located the, their main lab, sir. We're ready when you are. Like, who the fuck is he talking to? And it's Magneto and Polaris. And she wants to make Daddy proud, so she rips out the floor from under him and then uses the floor to take out the fucking guards and, like, tie them up. And I thought that that was fucking dope. Yeah, Polaris was awesome in this issue. Um, I wish that she had more, but they did invite her to Casa de Summers. Yes, but awkward. she said, uh, I'm not sure if I'm over Havoc. But who knows, because they are getting these, these Docs books have a lot of continuity issues. I don't know. No, we'll talk did. we'll talk more about that later. It seems like there are a lot of things that are being overlooked or forgotten or whatever. <laughs> there was something with with Rogue not being able to control her powers again, which was the whole point of Mr. and Mrs. X. But so the humans have like 80% of this data backed up for Orcus and when I see them pull out, I think it was a uh, fucking yeah. syringes or something. <laughs> Well, they had, like, syringes or something. I'm like, they're, what the fuck? They're going to fucking kill themselves rather than face the X-Men? And, uh, yeah, one of them's like, these monsters can have my science when they pry it from my cold, dead fingers. And then on the next page, there are all these fucking apes. And they're wearing, like, the suits are similar. And Planet is, of the Dr. Apes. <laughs> That's Planet of the Drapes. Oh, I love that. <laughs> That that should be the name of a store. What? Planet of the G- Oh, we have to copyright that. Uh, Jonathan, I'm I'm gonna drop out of school and uh, we're just gonna open a drape store. Planet of the drapes. <laughs> no, it exists. Fuck. Flying Saucers Planet of the Drape C D. 
Those fuckers, and it's from the 70s. Yeah, but it's so not mad. a store, so we can take it. <laughs> so the X-Men find what they were looking for. They find that Orcus was holding mutants, except for this one post-human. And I'm like, how are they already she a post-human? She was cool. She was cool. She looked she, really neat. She looked like, um, what's his name? Mr. Reverse Man. Mr. Reverse Man? Mr. Negative? Mr. Reverse Man. Mr. Negative? Yes. <laughs> yeah. I love Storm, though, because this girl is like, I'm not here. You don't see me. And holds her hands up like, like she's going to do a Jedi fucking mind Jedi trick. mind trick. Good. You know it. I know the reference. Yeah. And Storm is like, what? I'm looking right at you. And then she mentioned the vault. So as in the children of the vault. So that sort of makes sense because the children of the vault, they were like locked in a fucking room or ship or some shit somewhere. And they were like, you know, fucking aged with fucking technology for, like, hundreds of years or some shit like that. So that's the Children of the Vault. So so that would make sense. And maybe that's how you get to the fucking Homo Novissima. I'm um, sure we are. Is Children of the Vault, like, a, a saying that I'm supposed to understand? Because, <laughs> like, I know Children of the Corn, but is Children of the Vault a thing? Yeah. Is that, like, an X-Men thing? Yes, it is an X-Men thing. But it's not... So they weren't, like, super prominent. There was one story they were in in, I want to say, the mid-2000s. Oh, so this is like an old-timey thing? No. <laughs> yes, the okay. mid-2000s. <laughs> fucking old-timey. Yes. Okay, what I meant was it's Back not Back when a... I was in my 20s. It's... <laughs> what I meant was it's not a Hickman thing. It's, a... No, it's, not it's a... an old-timey thing. <laughs> yes, everything pre-Hickman is old-timey. <laughs> you remember those classic Rosenberg stories? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Classic. So they were, they were in one story arc in the mid-2000s, and then they showed up again in around 2010? Eleven in X Men Legacy. These aren't say. these aren't the kids that I hate, right? Those little, shitty little kids. Shitty little kids. You yeah, the, all the shitty little. Yeah. Do you all the, little kids are shitty? No, the, you have to be more specific. The like mini Hellfire Club with the oh, girl no, and she no, killed no. the penguin. That's not them. That's okay. not them. So apparently Magneto asserted his dominance to take the apes down, and I'm hoping he did it by using a T pose. The children of the vault girl disappeared. And they just let her go because they want to be able to get all the mutant kids who were being held back to home. Which is Krakoa. And uh, first thing I see, and I just just ugged right at it. I was just like, Vulcan. Vulcan is walking around with Vulcan Alex. is being so sassy. But, uh, I do not recall Vulcan ever being sassy. Vulcan is the sass-lessest person that you could ever possibly he meet. He was the humor of this issue. There was no humor other than Vulcan. <laughs> Which I swear to fucking Christ. It was so fucking weird. It was weird. Oh, so we see, we see that the fucking Orcus is still in space. The villains are still out there. They're sending off those who died in the X-Men attack. And the fucking director of it survived. His name is Director Devo. And we're going to whip it good for Director Devo. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so they're still around. So, you know, I mean, that's that's just a little side note. Like, oh, still around? No. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's exactly what I meant. They're still whipping it, Patty. Do you know that my mom went to one concert in her entire life and it was Devo? That, but Patty, that is such an important concert. You Find know- me a Devo concert, Patty. <laughs> Devo tribute band, I will even see. Let's do it. <laughs> So yeah, so obviously, you know, Orcus, it's not they weren't completely destroyed and there are gonna be villains again going forward. So that's kind of I kinda of forget who here. they are, but just like evil scientists is all. Yeah, I basically. Need to... Okay, basically. whatever. So Scott got a summer's habitat on the moon. So, you know, initially I'm reading this and the interaction between Logan and Vulcan is hilarious. <laughs> Vulcan is like inside me. An inferno burns. Just like in this device. And Logan is like, Yeah, I want my steak rare. And he goes 
you put the meat on the fire and expect the fire not to be fire. And Logan's like, I'm going to fight you. I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, and, then... and he said something later in the issue, like, uh, I was only, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm only like this because I didn't have a father figure. <laughs> yeah, but it's so fucking weird. And it's just so random inside this very stiff issue, you know, like. Oh, I, I don't all the dialogue was just so stiff to me and I'm not even trying to make a sexy joke even though I, that's obvious but it just was and this is what I've talked about before and it's okay if people disagree or whatever like a lot of people love Hickman and for his world building and I'm, I'm there too because I thought Hoxpox was great I think this is an interesting direction but this is something that I've seen with him before with other superhero characters the dialogue is very stiff and that's the best way for me to describe it here I did not see very much personality in Cyclops, in Polaris, in Storm, in Alex, in Corsair. The only really characterization we got was from Vulcan and maybe a little and bit Wolverine. And it was Wolverine. completely wrong. Yeah, and not even that. Like, you have to figure that if they're resurrecting Vulcan, they're going to do it before the time he was an intergalactic fucking genocidal maniac. Makes all the sense. But when did that boy have a sense of humor? When did he have a sense of humor? That's what I'm saying. And Logan is just kind of like, Grr, me want steak. Grr. Well, I mean, yeah, that that is Logan, to be fair. Um, but also this too with with uh, fucking Kid, Kid Cable, Cable and Raza. Mom, is it cool if I trade guns with Raza? I'm like, set the table first, dear. Like, yeah, yeah, it's funny. But then I take a step back and I think about it and I'm like, but why? Yeah, because because thinking about their relationship, even Kid Cable, he still, like, at least lived another life before this. And I don't know, I just think it's weird for, you know, to just see his mom, who was never really a mother figure to him because well, of his circumstances, and just call her mom, like... And for them to have that kind of relationship is just kind of weird. Well, they did raise him for a while, but but still, like, I know this is like a new direction and, and not all of these characters are really themselves anymore, you know, if they've died and been resurrected. But, you know, we saw Kid Cable and Extermination and an X-Force and I know brand new direction. But, but again, what I'm just trying to get to is like the humor felt off. It's not that like I disliked that sort of humor. It's just it didn't feel... Like, it was appropriate where it was. And, again, another example is Hepzibah and Rachel. Oh, my God. I, I lost my shit. I was like, they're going to fucking have alien fucking space sex. And that's that's dope. But, like you were saying before about how Rachel was drawn, she was basically a mannequin in the panel she was in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Because there was no dialogue, plus the way that she looked. It was just, you know, kind of kind of weird. Yeah, I was uh, a little upset about this because I'm still pushing for uh, the thruple with uh, Rachel and Kitty and Ileana. <laughs> Um, and now they are pushing another threesome. And at first I thought it was a joke that Cyclops, Cyclops had his room and then Jean was in the middle and then the other side was Wolverine and their doors open. There to... are no doors, Patty. Oh, there are no doors. Are no I thought doors. the doors were no, like no, no. interconnected. No, no, okay. no, 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 no. So there are, when you, and I, I love maps. I love when they do maps. So oh, I hate I'll, it. I'll, I'll give them that. But so you'll notice in all the circle, all the other circles, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. this little line like denotating a fucking door there at the front of each room. There's just open space between their rooms with Gene smack in the middle of that. That's lo nice. Love sandwich. So so people are like <laughs> actually speculating that like that they're going to be like a polyamorous thruple or not even like they're all not like a thruple, but like just be polyamorous. Patty, make 
more mutants. It's no, the I'm, law. Patty, it is the law. <laughs> I'm just I'm just saying like that okay. It, see, it's funny. I didn't think that it was a serious thing, but I saw all these people posting about it like Me. oh I'm <laughs> like, oh, I'm polyamorous and this is so cool. We're gonna have like the first representation of oh, good. polyamory in a in a comic and yeah. I was like, I thought it was a joke. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't think they were going to make this serious. I just... so I, I thought they were done, uh, like, stringing this relationship along, but I guess not. And, I mean, so was I, and I was kind of hoping that they would be, that these three wouldn't be in this love triangle anymore, but I didn't even think about the possibility that, okay, so there's not going to be this love triangle of, like, jealousy and feelings or whatever anymore. Maybe this is just going to be an accepted thing, which, you know, I mean, to to me is... If there are polyamorous people out there who are seeing this and happy because of it, then fucking that's that's great. I'm I'm happy for them. But all at the same time, I don't know how much Hickman is going to try to build upon this. You know, he may have just put that in there to put that in there so we could all think and speculate and talk about like how we're talking. And it may not be like this in- integral part of the book going forward. It just may be a fact. I mean, as many gripes as I had about some of the the dialogue and the art, I did like this issue. You know the the X Men in battle was it was pretty it was pretty great. Orcus, we get that Orcus is still around. We get that that woman, Doctor Gregor, is still around. The one who fucking you know shot Cyclops in the fucking head at point blank range in that one issue of Hawks. So you know that leads to a, more conflict going forward. We got this Children of the Vault sort of nod thing that's going to be you know something else going forward. It's just the stuff outside of the action and outside of the potential conflict. Ah, the way that they were acting was weird. Maybe it's just something for me to get used to. But then again, we're about to talk about two more books, and I did not have the same feeling about the dialogue. This issue kind of got like a meh for me. Yeah. Because I feel like maybe it was kind of setting up things. But like I said, it didn't pull me in. I wasn't really invested in any of the drama going on in the conflict you know but i feel like usually the flagship x-men title is usually my least favorite which is weird but x-factor has always been my favorite i you know liked new mutants better than regular x-men i liked x-force better than regular x-men for the most part there were some parts that maybe not but yeah for for the most part i was um least interested in this book same for primarily the reason that it was Hickman working on it and um, also the <laughs> artist. I don't know. Maybe it'll get better. I'm still interested, you know. I think there's promise in there, but yeah. But next, we're going to talk about my most favorite, yes. which is Marauders number one. Also my favorite, oh if my anybody cares. God! Oh my God! This was <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> so first of all, we find out why she got the fucking black eye and busted nose. Because uh, everybody's like, how is she could face? How? B- b-? She walked into a door. She walked into the door. If only Doorman was here. It's <laughs> a reference. I don't know how many people are going to get. Well, but I'm happy you made I it. I threw it out there. I'm happy you made it. So, yeah. Okay. First of all, the only issue that I have with this book Uh-oh. is that she doesn't want to go by Kitty anymore. She wants to go by Kate. Which has happened during Age of Apocalypse and Days of Future Past. And I mean, okay, I know that she's like... Are you uh, saying that's an indication of a dystopian future where everybody dies? (laughs) You know what? Don't worry. I didn't even think about that. Um, (laughs) 
I just thought uh, this is like the point in her past, you know, because those stories both take place in the future, that this is the point where she's like, you know what, I'll go by Kate. I don't like that. I never really liked that. It made sense for both of those stories. I don't think it really makes sense here. Really? Um, yeah, I still like Kitty better. Um, I'm still uh, gonna call her Kitty. Uh, she got her. You're not going to respect what she wants to be called. Damn. She, she, you of all people. Damn. She got her hair back, so she's not a soccer mom anymore, and she looks like she's a teenager again. Honestly. Yeah, I know. So... But everybody, everybody looks younger because I, I feel like everybody at this point has. I don't know, probably been wiped out. You know, Rosenberg. Rosenberg, you know, the fucking galacticized Rosenberg came along and wiped out the mutant race. And they got resurrected. And they got resurrected as teenagers. Everybody, listen, everybody is, it seems like so far, everybody is younger. Or almost everybody is a little bit younger. Yeah, uh, Shadowcat looks a little bit younger. A guy that I'm going to be screaming about in a, in a little bit, he looks younger. Vulcan was younger. Gene looked a little bit younger. Even Kid Cable, he looked like a little younger teenager. Yeah. They all look a bit younger. The new mutants are going to be younger. We know that already. But, you know, it's going to be weird, I think, but I want to get used to calling her Kate. You can call it her Kate. Me- I'm going to call her Kitty. That's so rude of you. <laughs> but, you know, she can't get through the fucking Krakoa gates, and that fucks her up. And she steals a boat. Why not? We don't know yet. She steals a boat she does steal a boat she and writes she... this message in a bottle and in the fucking day one i kate pride being of sound mind steal his boat from you day two i'm the captain now <laughs> what what did she have to go through from day one to day two to become the captain of the boat <laughs> i don't know but i love her yeah. I, I love this this is actually putting kitty back in a good position compared with all of Arr. the <laughs> compares to all of the you know shitty representation yep. she's been getting in the past few yep. years so i really like this this kind of made me feel like it was her getting back to her roots almost kind of like how lovable she was then way more badass oh my god yeah with that experience that she's had kate sails to krakoa and uh there's this annoying little child that says you're the mutant that can't use the gates and she looks terrifying. Kate looks terrifying. She's like, and you're the kid everyone wants to fight. And then Iceman is like, still can't use the gates. And she goes, no, but I've been assured top men are on it. And he goes, I'd like to meet these top men. Get it? Get yes. It? Yes. I loved it. It was hilarious. Also, <laughs> so if she sails to Krakoa, she can just go on the land and yeah. just like chill there. Yeah. So, but she doesn't want to do that. Yeah, but but still. It's, because she doesn't feel welcome. Because the door punched her in the face. Right, the door punched her in the face. I mean, how would you, would you feel welcome at a house where the door punches you in the face? You know what? I would not feel welcome in that right. house. Right, so that's how Kate feels, getting punched in the face by a door. I see. <laughs> and, and her thing is walking through doors. Yes, that is her entire thing. That is her mutant power. It's being able to walk through any door. Like Doorman. those signs that say, no trespassing, bitch, you can't stop, Kitty Pride. Or she those can walk doors that doors. say, pull only, or exit only. Or exit only. She can go through those doors. She can doors. walk through the exit only doors. That's exactly, that's amazing. That's exactly what her mutant power <laughs> is. That's right. So Logan gave her a shopping list because I guess there's no booze on Krakoa. <laughs> But this is really weird to no, me. No, 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 no. It's not that there's no booze. It's just they there's don't, not Canadian there's, whiskey or there, whatever. There's not a selection of whatever you want. Yeah. So I thought that that was really weird. He has access to doorways that go anywhere in the world. So why didn't he just get it? 
seems like it would have been a lot easier for him because than he for wa- her to sail all across the continent. You're probably right, but I'm assuming it's because he wanted to hide it. Well, he could have still done that. Emma makes a telepathic call to Shadowcat and says she needs to talk to her. And Emma made an offer, basically, that she would give her a better ship and she could sail around the world, do her pirate thing. There are people who can't access the portals because of oppressive governments. And you can go save them, but also you work for the Hellfire Company. And also you can be the Red Queen, which is a thing that I made up just now so that you feel important. (laughs) But so here's what I got from this. As much as I love Emma Frost, I feel like this is exactly something that she would pull in order to get something that she wanted. So I do think that it's plausible that Emma has something to do with the fact that Kate can't get through the fucking Krakoan gates. I think it's possible. I think there's another possibility. I think that is absolutely the case. And I couldn't think of any reason why she wouldn't be able to uh, not use the gates until I asked you and you said Emma. And I was like, (laughs) oh, that makes sense. I also, I saw somebody else, I forget who came up with it, but... The It could be that Krakoa was told not to allow her through the gates because she can phase through things and she can find Moira, who has been hidden away, and any other weird shit that they're doing on Krakoa that, like, you know, the council doesn't want anybody else to know about. She'd be able to find it. So maybe that's why. I think both are plausible. I have a feeling we're going to find out before this series ends. <laughs> so Kate is sailing around and she's got Lockheed with her, which is great because I feel like it's been a while since we saw him and they were hanging out together. And he is acting kind of like a cat where he's just a like... dog. No, because what? he's bringing her dead animals. Cats go hunting and will bring you like... Yeah, you're right, dogs. There's no hunting dogs. No, I'm just... Hunting, Patty, hunt. you're right. Hunting dogs don't exist. You... <laughs> okay. You hear all these stories about cats that bring dead mice and, like, half-eaten salamanders or whatever. It's like a cat thing. I I, I have never heard of half-eaten salamanders until the last episode that we recorded, Patty. I don't even know why that came into my head. I couldn't think of any more animals that cats eat. Exactly. So we get introduced to the rest of the cast along the way. Iceman is in Russia, which is cold. So Iceman goes through one of these gates to Russia because he wants to help some mutants out and uh you have these uh fucking assholes guarding the fucking gate one of them's wearing this fucking power dampener and shoots Iceman with it so he loses his power and he's just standing there in the freezing cold and nothing but his tidy whities and flip-flops he's wearing flip-flops I love that his (laughs) flip-flops got a bullet in them so that was sad and then he you know obviously he jumps back through and uh Kitty's drunk and she's like I want to fight some aggro humans Iceman get in my boat and Storm goes, Kitten, does Logan know you're into his stash? And and she goes, Aurora, I am the stash. <laughs> that was... She is a funny-ass drunk. Yeah, so am I. <laughs> BT dubs. Um, no, I really love that. It was really cute. But, okay, this was an issue that somebody else brought up. Yes. That there was an issue with the colorist fucking up and... Uh, there was this one panel especially where yeah. it was like a profile view of Storm and she looks white. She had white features. There's an issue with colorism in comics. It's been around. It's always been around. It's it's, it's really fucked up. It, it has been all over the place now. And I hope that they fucking do something to rectify that because it is really messed up. I loved the art. 
The penciler, Matteo Lali, is amazing, um, but he's not guiltless either for his part in penciling some images of Storm because there are a couple of shots where she does look like she has uh, black features and then there are others where she doesn't. And then having this colorist, I think it was Federico Blee, did not did not color her dark uh, in a bunch of shots. So again, I hope they do something to fucking correct that. But anyway, yeah. Um, Bishop shows up. Uh, another black guy. Uh, he was colored in properly, I think. Yeah, no, he looked. I, I feel like he looked fine. Oh, it was weird though. Speaking of him though, that he kind of did look his normal age, like we've always seen yeah. him. You know that I sort of think about. Like it. in his like. Late 30s, maybe. Maybe, yeah. He is in Taiwan investigating claim that Krakoa took an innocent man. Yeah, but when he confronts this lady, she, like, doesn't want to talk to him. So, I mean, it's weird. That's something that's going to be set up for later. Like That's very interesting. See, like, I am pulled in by that story. You know, like, I, I don't know. Like, even though we didn't get anything too much about it, I was interested in this. And, you know, her saying that the gate pulled him in. And I just, you know, I want to see where that goes. But the most important part... No, no, no. The most important part is is when is when Pyro is waking up. We get on the fucking boat, and he's stretching. He just woke up. He looks great. He looks cute. I love him. It's fucking... Okay, so here's... Now, here's the thing. He's stretching, and then the next panel is of Bobby. And Bobby's ice gets super hard and rigid when he sees Pyro. So what I think is Bobby has gotten conditioned to get horny when he sees a Pyro. All that right. is what I think. That is what I think. But he says that accent, you're the original Pyro. He is the original Pyro. And he looks so happy. He's got this sexy smile on his face. And he's, he's like, yeah. He's like, I was one of the first mutants to be resurrected. And I felt special. And then he's got a sad face. And I don't want anybody to ever make this fucking boy sad again. I don't want to see that sad little face anymore. Okay? Because he says that he realized that they were just using him to test out the resurrection process. And he was going to steal the boat to make some trouble, but then he fell asleep. Because the beds were comfy. Yeah. And, okay. But he is special. He is special. So this <laughs> was one of the things that I was going to point out as being continuity error. Pyro was alive. Pyro didn't need to be resurrected. Unless he somehow died off panel and it was never mentioned. Which probably happened because the last time we saw him is when Cyclops punched him in the face in Rosenberg's run. Which... So maybe Cyclops killed him by punching <laughs> him in the face. <laughs> but Storm says to Pyro, you've been drafted. So they're going to go fucking help these mutants. And uh, this power dampening suit that the Russian guy also converts energy. But it doesn't matter because Kate shorts it out by phasing through it. And then she hits this asshole in the throat, and she says to one of them holding a gun, I take it you're using non-lethal rounds against civilians? She takes the gun and then shoots him in the leg, and she's like, nope, how unfortunate for you. And then she's like, fa she faces his fucking gun into two of these guys, like their legs, and like conjoins them, and then takes a cutlass from the guy in the fucking tank. I'm like, oh my god, when did she fucking get, like, listen, she is a ninja, like, okay, like, I know she knows how to fight. She's badass, but, you know, I was not expecting all this. Me neither, and it um, was fucking awesome. And then and then Pyro shows up to the fight. Hey, we got more Yabos inbound. Got a light I could nick, and Lockheed spits fire, and, and Pyro's like, dragon fire. I got a fucking fistful of dragon fire. This is so amazing. He was so happy. 
I could not believe this. You guys, is pyro. But also, and I have to say this, and it upsets me to say this, but if he's got the kerosene tanks on his back, which he does, and we've had no indication up until this point in the issue that they're empty, why would he need to nick a light from anybody? I don't know. I thought that was weird, too, and that was a consistency thing. But really, I'm just being all pyromantic. How do you like that? That's cute. That is cute. I didn't make that up. I'm going to shout out to Cody, who is the mute menace for pyromantic, but... This was this was an amazing issue. It's just amazing. It's just amazing. I want. I, I like almost fucking cried when I saw how beautiful he was. Yeah, uh, he was super cute too. He looked like uh, maybe he was like around his early twenties. This book was so much fun. This is like quintessential X Men, you know. And I feel like I got so much more out of this than I got out of X Men or even Excalibur. I really like. I don't even care about the other books. I just want all of this now. No, but yeah, this was basically a fucking party. Everybody else there like added a little bit, you know, to the book. But the focus was really on Kate. And it was a little weird, like I said, to see her get wasted and get so violent. But again, I'm thinking that she's just in a really bad place. I'm ready for her to get into pirate gear. We don't need to see that boring costume she's been wearing for fucking ever. The last time she really looked had an interesting costume was Excalibur Shadowcat from 1987. So, yeah, it's about time for something new. Also, I love that Pyro didn't really join this team. He kind of just kind of got adopted. He's a good boy. Because he was on the boat, and Storm's like, all right, you're on the team. Good. And he's like, okay. Yeah, good. So that was adorable. Um, I'm glad that they're giving him some personality, because I know that he's your favorite character. Excuse me. No, because, like, (laughs) I feel like so many times he's just been there to just kind of, like, show up in the background with the rest of the Brotherhood, but now he's getting, like, a focus, so that's really exciting for you. Is it exciting? Yeah, I'm excited for you. I'm happy. I'm so happy for you. (laughs) Good. All right, so last new comment we're talking about is Excalibur, number one. And I liked this. I have my my problems with this one, too. But overall, I like this. And it did some things right that X-Men number one did wrong. And it did some things wrong that X-Men one did right. So this was kind of like a, a weird sort of trade-off. This was actually my least favorite one. Yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of iffy about that. So, I mean, I liked the data pages. The first one is Apocalypse's call to everyone. He says, On our lands, we will make and raise mutant children who have only been raised in peril and secrecy in war and anguish. For millennia, I believe that these trials made us strong. No longer must we believe this lie. Uh, signed, the artist formerly known as Apocalypse. So, so we get Camelot. Camelot. Right? We get Camelots. <laughs> what arthur was doing on that round table he was camelot but it's camelot and arthur is missing and i see it's morgan lefay and i'm like that is a character who doesn't normally show up in the books that i read and i have not seen in well over a decade i had no idea who that was Patty, she's i a villain. feel like i Patty. knew that she was like a real person maybe she's a villain okay so i looked <laughs> it up and she's only been in like not too many issues Yes. Of things that I don't read. Correct. So <laughs> I, when she first showed up, I'm like, who is she? Why is she here? Why do I care? And there was no explanation. Nobody answered Patty's of, questions. Yeah, no. It, there was no dialogue box saying, like, Morgan Le Fay, villain. She wants to kill Betsy because... 
I don't know. Um, I mean, she was she was upset because there was a portal. Yeah, and there were weeds in her portal. Oh no, no, I, Patty, I didn't. The aesthetic is being ruined. Okay, you pronounced that really weird. I'm sorry, aesthetic. <laughs> Thank you. So, so Betsy was uh, living in the Braddock Manor, I guess, and she was packing some of her stuff to go to Krakoa. It was cute because they're like, oh, you're not taking any of these clothes? And she's like, you told me I could use this room for storage, and it'd be rude if I showed up to Krakoa with four suitcases of clothes. And it was really cute because Megan was, like, holding the baby, and she saw this cute dress, so she picked it up, and it was blue, and then her hair turned blue, and Aww. it was so cute. I Aww. love Megan. I was so upset when I heard that they announced an Excalibur book and Megan wasn't in it. Like, honestly, I was really upset. So she shows up on Krakoa and everybody's calling her Psylocke, but she wants to be Betsy now. Which and you're not going to do, are you? Because no, you're going to be rude and you're going to call her Psylocke now. No, one thing. No, I'll We're tell you. Two I'll, now. I'll tell you what I will not do other than Kitty. He is the artist formerly known as Apocalypse now. I'm not calling him that. But listen, we just have to go through this for a little while. Artist formerly known as Prince became just the artist. So eventually, Apocalypse is going to become the artist. That's it. Okay. We just, we just ride this out with me, okay? But, I mean, overall, I thought that it was interesting that Apocalypse... To see Apocalypse, like, alongside these people that he's fought before, you know? Um, it's weird and disconcerting. It is, but that's what makes it interesting. It's that tension. And some of them can even, like, mention the tension, like Gambit, who has been fucked over by Apocalypse before and turned into a horseman of death. So that's why, you know, it sort of makes it makes sense. Um, yeah, Gambit's like, I'm going to kill you. And Apocalypse is like, I, do like it. I'll just come back. Well, I don't know. But it, it was weird sort of just to see Apocalypse fall into this magic. I never imagined him as this magical guy, you know? But he seems to just sort it's of... It's magic. He seems to just sort of... Yes, Himiko from Danganronpa V3 is amazing. I fucking love Himiko. I fucking love Himiko, and I even have something prepared just for this. The ultimate mate, but I'm officially called the ultimate magician, because I'm a mate. It's magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's magic. She is so cute. She is a short redhead, so of course I liked her. <laughs> <laughs> That's been sitting open on my phone for about three hours now. So it's just this whole magic thing with Apocalypse. How does he know that this gate goes to Otherworld and that there's... It's magic. A, a, a barrier. Because I, I guess they tried to get through, but I don't know how he knew it was Otherworld unless Krakoa told Cypher who told him. Or who unless knows? Apocalypse has something to do with this gate. But True. I don't know. It's weird. There's a lot of uh, plot holes in these stories, but... I don't know. But, you know, Apocalypse is talking to... The trouble with your science, some things aren't diagnosed, they're discovered. You know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like that's an apocalypsian thing to say. He's like an elitist now. He's like a magic elitist. Like, <laughs> oh, can your science explain why the sun sets? <laughs> that is a line from Avatar, which is fantastic, and we still need to watch it. Okay. The show. Okay, yeah. I, f I figured the show. But there's another data page, which is interesting. You know, there's shit talking the circle as something used in magic. The X works better, which is convenient. Which yeah, but, but I thought it was nifty. I, but I that like doesn't that like make sense. But I don't know that that whole page just seems like too too like out. Convenient? No, it was like too 
out of left field. Like, it didn't really seem to relate to anything going on to me. You know, there was this other, this actual witch in Britain and her little followers trying to summon fucking ghosts, right, before Morgan Le Fay came through to them. And I'm looking at the floor, and they have a circle. Yeah. They have a magic circle. So I'm thinking they if there's... They always use circles of magic. Right. So I'm thinking if there's going to be this mutant magic, that they're going to be using X's. That doesn't really make sense to me, but it's... I don't know. It's what it is. One thing that I'm not really happy about, speaking of names, is gold balls going by egg. Yeah, I hate that. I do that. not like that. Eggman. I am the... Like the, the Beatles song. I am the Eggman. They're the Eggman. I you, am the walrus. You can Google tell... Google Okay, you can just pick any words and tell me this is a Beatles song and I would just not question you because they have some ridiculous song titles. Um, Download New Folder. That's a great Beatles song. (laughs) Visible Reading. That is another another Beatles song. You're just looking around the room trying to name stuff now. Um, Saran Wrap. (laughs) I hate the codename Egg. I think it's really stupid. And it reminds me of that video of the... Was it Seal? I think it's a seal. It's a really fat seal in the oh, Arctic. Oh, I thought you were talking about the artist seal. Oh, my God. The, my power, my pleasure, my pain. No. <laughs> there was this really fat seal that's just, like, flopping around in the Arctic or whatever. And he's just saying egg. He's just like, egg, egg, egg. So that's what that reminded me of. Uh, you guys probably know the video. They probably it was know. Really popular. I don't know that. I'm glad that's not going to be stuck in my head. Show but now that you. Seal song is going to be stuck in my head. I don't know any from Seal that, songs. From that so Batman movie. You don't know that song that we I just did? I do not know any Seal songs. Oh, man. We're listening to that shit. So so what was interesting here, and, and I have to say, I wish I, I could say more about this guy, is that Jamie Braddock shows up. He gets fucking uh, resurrected in one of the eggs. He's being really gross, apparently. Uh, Fabio says that these pods are supposed to remain sterile and he's doing really gross stuff the hatchery is like sacred and even when betsy starts using her fucking telepathy fabio is like don't do that here it's gonna disturb the eggs so i think it's really it's really interesting to see how gold balls has become very different character just within yeah basically just within the the span of a few panels but i'm I'm sorry like i it's not the name changing thing it's what you changed it to yeah i wish i knew more about jamie braddock so i could speak more but i mean most of his appearances i haven't read a lot I've of them read are... a bunch of them, but I don't remember much about him other than him being a bastard. A lot of his appearances are in Captain Britain and Excalibur, and I am not very, especially with Excalibur out of out of any mutant adjacent title, that is the one I have read the least of by far. So I don't know too much about him other than he's weird. Yeah, they should have explained some of this, given some kind of backstory to that, and also. Uh, Morgan Le Fay, because there was nothing. So without context, well, this didn't make any sense. Morgan, I'll agree with. Jamie, not so much. I guess they... Because it seemed like uh, some of this borrowed from some stuff that happened not too long ago in Uncanny X-Force, which I eventually dropped from, I don't know, five, six years ago. But I guess they just figure, you know, like if you're a fan of Betsy, you'll, you'll probably you'll know her siblings, Brian and Jamie. Maybe, or maybe it'll interest you in reading that. I'm sure Teeny Howard has fucking done her homework and read the entire Excalibur series, and that's something that I need to do as well. And shout-outs to Soldier X on, on Twitter, who is sending us a, uh, a fucking Excalibur trade paperback, so that will help in the journey of reading Excalibur. But, but yeah, Rogue and Gambit are talking about making a baby when Trinary calls them to see the artist formerly known as Apocalypse and wants Rogue to touch the gate to see if she can drain its power. Because Betsy disappeared. Betsy went to go find her brother Brian. 
Captain Britain got the call to go in and to Otherworld and help. Morgan has her little following attack Betsy and make Brian attack Betsy. And then Betsy, like, throws her sword at the fucking scrying pool. She fucking took the amulet and then she was Captain Britain, but on the other side of the portal now, uh, on Krakoa. So I didn't really get that. Yeah, it didn't make sense. And also, why is Rogue Sleeping Beauty and covered in flowers? What happened to Captain Britain? He's on the other side. We don't know what happened to him. We don't know why LeFay said that Betsy was a witch breed or something. I, I don't really care about what's happening here. Damn. I don't feel like I completely understand what's going on. I'm like, this is only the first issue. Did I miss something? Yeah, uh, I, I, I get you. What I think is like, you know, it's going to be explained in the issues going forward, but there's just pieces missing that would have made this more enjoyable. Now, when I was saying earlier, comparing it to X-Men and how it was like sort of like there was like an inverse here is the dialogue that felt stiff in X-Men. It didn't feel stiff here. I felt characterization. I liked seeing some of these characters around and interacting with each other, even if, you know, the overall plot didn't totally come together. Whereas in X-Men, the plot did seem to come together. It it led to things in a sensible way, like teased what's going to happen sort of next going forward. Whereas here, I, there's just a bunch of questions. But I will say about this issue, even though I'm also meh about this, like with X-Men number one, is the art here was fucking gorgeous. I loved Marcus Toe's art. It was very beautiful. Yeah, I, I thought the art was... Really good. I am looking forward to Jubilee getting more than like three lines, if that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, did Excalibur make you came little or came a lot? Do you think John is going to try putting his shrimp on the bobby? Try not to get egg on your face. We'll be right back after a commercial break. Oi, Bobby. Come here, love. I want to show you something. I'm not falling for your poop deck trick again. I've already seen your ass like five times. And you shoved it in my face last time and I got pink eye and had to wear an eye patch. Like a real pirate! No, no, it gets boring on this boat, so I thought to show you this great website, geekade.com. Oh, look at this. There's podcasts about TV shows and video games and articles about movies, wrestling, and anime. Sure is! And geekade.com even has YouTube and Twitch channels for more geeky fun. It's got something for everyone, no matter what your geek is. Thanks, John. I'll be sure to check out geekade.com right now. Great, and you'll love this, too. Huh? Oh, no, your ass. My eyes. Hello, Bobby? Bobby, what is the meaning of this? Simon, it's not what you think. Gasp! Hey. 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 A for Apocalypse. <laughs> the artist formerly known as Apocalypse. Oh, right, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, Alright, so before we get to some more porno for pyros, we've uh, there's a few pieces of news, which I'm sure everybody knows about already. Remember, we're not the most trusted name in news, but... We are a name. <laughs> so there are going to be some new X-Men titles. Uh, what? Nothing... Tell me about them. <laughs> nothing officially announced for Moira yet, but Hickman did an interview uh, on the website Adventures in Poor Taste, and he said... Uh, there was a writer we had hoped to get to do our eventual Moira book that works as a kind of dancing between the raindrops of X continuity story, and they agreed to do it long before we were expecting them to commit. 
So, yeah, eventually that's going to happen. That sort of makes sense. I think that's going to be neat, having a Moira solo book. Which... I thought that was announced for, like, next year, like February or something. That, well, that hasn't been a Jonathan, am I making fish? that up? <laughs> it's fake news. It's fake news. So we're, it's... No, we, no, we're no, not no. even sure if it's fake news or it's not. It's alternative facts. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah, no, we don't know, I don't think, when for sure it's going to happen. Because he said... February? He said to get to do our eventual Moira eventual. book. So that's going to be interesting because the dancing between raindrops of ex-continuity, which means that we're going to see her, I guess, in situations that happened in like the actual 616 past that we all know. So that should be kind of neat. And knowing what we know about Moira now, I, I think that that's an interesting thing that they're going to do. I am not at all interested in that. So that's my take <laughs> on that. Okay. One that we are going to get in February is going to be X-Core. Uh, February 2020 is part of Jonathan Hickman's Dawn of X. Uh, recently signed Marvel exclusive artist Carmen Carnero, who is a pretty dope artist, is slated to draw the series. So that is going to be neat. I don't think there were literally any other details. I am uh, assuming... Actually, it's a uh, pronounced X-Corpse. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's pronounced Cross-Corp? Oh, no, no, no. Cross-Corpse. But there's no E at the end. So the S there's is an... silent. No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> I'm just reading it how I see it. Also, uh-huh. I am going to mess up this name with Carmen Carrera, who... Who is Carmen Carrera? She is... Carmen San Diego. A drag queen from season two or three of Drag Race. Mm-hmm. Super hot. Later came out as a trans woman. There were like a bunch of campaigns to get her to do like... To be like the first trans Victoria's Secret model. Um, I still think that she can do it, even though it's been like 10 years. Okay. But that is not the person uh, doing art for X-Core. Carmen Sandiego. See, it came up. Oh, I've seen her before. Yeah, she's gorgeous. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's interesting. Uh, again, no details yet. I'm assuming they, they do typically, I think, like three months in advance for the solicits. So that means that this month there should be some sort of a teaser, if not a full solicit, uh, because as far as I know, as of this recording, there's no other details about it. It's just that it's the title of a book that's happening. I mean, it sounds like it could be some kind of like X-Force type of book or some kind of X-Factor type of book. I don't know. Well, the X-Core that existed in X-Men comics was... I did not know that was a thing. <laughs> they were sort of... They were sort of like X-Men cops. Banshee was leading the team. When and, when was this? It was this uh, uh, early 2000s or late 90s. I forget. But it Avalanche was in one of the the regular like yeah. ongoing books. And I must have forgotten Avalanche, about that. Avalanche was on the team and after uh, they, they were under oh, it's been a bunch of years since I read this, but I think they were under some sort of mind control or something that's what made them like more docile and like willing to listen to Banshee. But I do remember once they broke out of it and they were pissed, Avalanche destroyed the Eiffel Tower. You remember when that happened, everyone? Again, it's been... I didn't read it when it came out, but... Um, so yeah, so there's that. So that's neat, but no, again, no details. But these next two, there are some details about. There is going to be Giant Size X-Men. And so this time it's going to be a series with each installment focusing on different characters and created alongside a different artist, which I think is, is nifty. But the most exciting thing is kicking off the newly revamped uh, Giant Size X-Men is a story titled Jean Grey and Emma Frost, which will explore the complicated relationship between Jean and Emma as they team up to rescue Storm. And uh, that is fucking dope. That is coming out in February. I am very much looking forward to that because I'm hoping that this helps just quash the fucking uh, tension. Quash. Yeah. 
Like squash without the S? Quash. Yeah. It's <laughs> it's quash season. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I think that they really need to end the whole feud. I'm like over it. I've been over it. You have hated Emma Frost for the longest time. No, I, I mean, I still do. no evidence of that, Patricia. I No, I, I still do. <laughs> but it's only because of what she did to Jean. And I feel like I would love Emma if it wasn't for that one story. And with her, you know, getting with Cyclops, I probably would love her. But I'm not a fan of Russell Dodderman. I'm not a fan of the Dodderman. I don't like how he draws. <laughs> what are we, from Boston? <laughs> we could be. You don't know. <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't really get the concept. It's a series with each installment focusing on different characters. Yeah, it's like the, a fucking team up, I guess. I don't understand how that's giant size X-Men, though. But whatever. They can call whatever they want, whatever they want. Also, I think that this might help give some characters a spotlight who may not be in other books. Not This isn't a good example of that, but I think that's what this could be. We'll find out more details as we go along. Uh, Jean Grey and Emma are going to be very prominent in the X-Men books, at least for now. But I'm thinking, like, you could take some other mutants who aren't featured in anything. You know, I was actually thinking about this. It would be really cool to pitch an idea to Marvel about having a book following, like, D-list characters. Yes. I would love that, but I, I don't see this book as being that. Um, It'll probably be... Be like Nightcrawler, Storm. Maybe. Rogue. Uh, honestly, that would be a little boring, but I, I don't know. I have faith that it can be interesting, and uh, well, we'll see what happens with it. The other book that we're going to be getting is X-Men Fantastic Four. Uh, it's also coming out in February. So this February, the X-Men's Dawn of X status quo is reaching out to the broader Marvel Universe, beginning with the Fantastic Four. So as teased in House of X number one, the four-issue title will explore how the broader Marvel U takes to this revitalized and reorganized mutant kind, specifically dealing with Fantastic Four's Franklin Richards, considered one of the most powerful mutants of all time. So this is cool because Chip Zdarsky is going to be... He is bae. He is going to be writing this. Terry and Rachel Dotson are going to be the Love them. artists. And uh, Starsky is, like, known for, you know, his humor and whatever. So, uh, like, anytime I hear anything with Starsky on it, I'm just like, yes, give it to me. He can do humor, but he can do serious writing. No, I, actually, I know. If I, I mean, I haven't read two-in-one yet. I was meaning to, but for some reason I never picked it up. But I was like, I don't even care about this, but it's Starsky, so I'm going to get it. Yeah, the story was okay. I think it had a strong start, and then it kind of lost me a little bit towards the end. But, I mean, I'm, I'm excited for this. I read X-Men vs. Fantastic Four from the 80s not too long ago. It was interesting, except it had some uh, very awkward nudity starring Kitty Pride in a gaseous form. So that was weird. Interesting. I've never read that. I didn't, you know, when I said I read all the X-Men books, I kind of skipped like miniseries and sure. stuff like that. Yeah. They're usually inconsequential. Yeah. Especially if it's like a Fantastic Four crossover or Spider-Man crossover. Like those were just, you know, milk and money. Usually <laughs> aren't like... that. Milk and money. It's not like you said milk and money. I realized that after I said it. Getting paid um... with that milk and money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean that um, after uh, Shadowcats, like, inability to completely reform after the mutant massacre oh yeah this kind of took care of that this was kind of the solution that's really what came out of it but it was also neat to see 
X-Men Fantastic Four throwdown a little bit. There wasn't like a ton of action every issue of the, all of them going at each other. But it, it was it was a neat little story. But yeah, Kitty Pride was in like a gaseous state and nude a bunch. And little boy Franklin was like there. And I'm like, yeah, this is awkward. But but speaking of these new titles that we're going to be getting, uh, a friend of ours on social media, Classic Xbooks, uh, asked a couple of questions that are pertinent to what we were just talking about. And the first question was, what character or storyline from X-Men circa 1990 to 1994 would you like to see touched upon again? My immediate response would be the Phalanx Covenant. I have not read that since it came out when I was a kid, so it's been a very long time. I do remember loving it at the time, and I remember loving the characters it gave us that were about to become a Generation X. Uh, and I think with what we just saw in Hoxpox with the Phalanx that it would be possibly an appropriate thing to to bring up here. And I think that that could be handled well with, you know, the Phalanx as this huge entity. I don't know, maybe trying to take on Krakoa or some shit. I don't know, maybe. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. But that's my answer. Okay, so I don't know exactly what year they appeared. I think it was in the 80s, but they must have been around around 90. Artie and Leech. Oh, it was the 80s. But yeah, they but were they came the back 90s. for they came back for Gen, Gen X. X yeah. And uh, I was just thinking about that, how cool it would be to have them in one of the kids' books again. Not like New Mutants, but if they did another like Academy X. I know they have the new twins now, but they're not interesting and cute like Artie and Leech. <laughs> and I know it's probably an, an unpopular opinion. I don't ever hear anybody talking about the two of them and being like, where are those guys? I missed them. But I really loved just the relationship between the two of them, seeing like the really sad backstory that they had and how they like communicated with each other. You know, Artie can't speak, but they like respect each other and they found a way to communicate. So I think that's really cute. And I just, they make my heart happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, they're, they're definitely cute. And that would be, that would be cool. Yeah. So, so no, that would be neat. Now, the other question was, what's something new would you like to see in these new X books not done before? And I don't, honestly, I didn't ask for clarification if you meant like never done before or in this new direction that we haven't seen yet. But one thing that immediately jumped into my mind, this probably isn't going to be a popular opinion, but I think it would make for great storytelling is if you had like, mutant saboteurs uh if there was a team that was working alongside humans not like orcus uh necessarily that like wants to destroy mutant kind but to like infiltrate and betray them and spy on them and get intel somehow i feel like it would be very difficult to do that on krakoa but i think that would make for a really interesting concept well i mean shaw kind of did that when he was basically funding the Sentinels. I mean, it wasn't like spying and stuff like that, but... Oh, he was just being a douche. Yeah, he was being a douche, but he was working both sides just to make money. I think it'd be really cool to have a book that's just like D-list characters along the lines of Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Oh my God, that That, would be fantastic. uh, Yeah, I was just thinking about that the other day that I wish that it kind of said something at the Marvel panel about that, but I just thought about it the other day. Like a Superior Foes of Spider-Man kind of feel to it, but not with like enemies of the X-Men or maybe, but just with like a bunch of like really stupid kind of like, you know, people who can't like get the job done. Just like, just like watching characters just like try and fail. Kind of like, what is it? Great Lake Avengers? Oh, yeah. Something like that. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just want something that's one book that's like all humor, you know, and just like, who cares what's happening? There are no stakes. It's just 
people being <laughs> stupid and failing at everything. <laughs> I kind of like that idea. You know, because uh, a lot of this, a lot of what's going on right now in the world of X-Men is very serious. We were already seeing some humor and some more lighthearted interactions in Dawn of X, like already, but everything up till now has been very fucking serious. Yeah, that's so, part of why I don't like it. So I think, yeah, something that's just like nonstop humor and just over the top, like dumb, that, that would be interesting to introduce into this too. All right, so now we're moving on to uh, our character spotlight. And, uh, I'm, and who did you pick for the spotlight, Jonathan? I'm kind of sad and embarrassed to say that we've never given him a proper spotlight before, uh, considering he, he is my, my favorite mutant, and that is Pyro. And now, I, I want to preface what we're going to be talking about with, with this. These are not going to be very happy stories, but they did give Pyro some depth, which he had been lacking for a very long time, in my opinion, anyway. No, they never um, gave him a personality before other you, than you like already, i'm a villain gotta burn stuff you already said that you don't need to remind me I'm thank sorry. you but it, she, you're not really wrong either uh you know he never got any focus he never got much of a backstory i think it was in one of those fucking handbooks or whatever where they had the fucking writing um like goth romantic novels or some sort yeah. of shit i don't think He's that like was a fanfic i don't writer. think that ever you know and he always he was he he failed at it i don't think that was ever mentioned or you know elaborated on in any of the comics so you know what did they really do so honestly they made him australian that was his personality <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to talk about a few issues that featured Pyro. The first one is going to be X-Men Unlimited Volume 1, Number 2. This came out in 1993, and this one didn't feature Pyro heavily, but this gave sort of a little foreshadowing of something that was to come. There was this one scene in the middle of this book where Toad's Brotherhood, which was the then-current Brotherhood, they were on a boat off uh, Key West Island, and, uh, and Pyro was steering the boat, so we know that he can be a captain, so he works perfectly on Marauders. I feel like Jerry Duggan read this and did his homework. <laughs> is uh, this is this where Key Lime Pie is from? <laughs> what? I don't know. Yes, Key West Lime Pie. No, wait, it's from thinking. the Florida Keys, I think, right? Is this is Key West one of the Florida Keys? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I don't know. It's, I. You know what? I have so much to learn about Florida. That's why I need to go to Florida school. You can't be Florida woman until until you learn all about the keys. Okay. Yeah. All right. This was neat. I don't want to get off too much on a tangent, but, uh, but I loved Fantasia in this story. And, and I talked to Nicieza, who wrote this story. Um, I talked to him about Fantasia because she's, she's lounging in her fucking bikini reading a book on astrophysics. Where the fuck did that come from? This yeah, lady, and she's, she's got a PhD. <laughs> this lady has barely spoken, like, two lines in her, like, two-year-old career at that point. Not even. And, uh, and she's reading a book on, on astrophysics. But they're going to meet up with someone. Fucking Exodus descends from the sky like he's a, this fucking glorious angel. He says that he's, he's offering refuge because he's talking about what he wants. And Exodus is... Referencing Magneto. So he offers, uh, he's talking about refuge and Pyro asks how many bathrooms. And I thought that that was great. Um, but Exodus informs them that he, the capital H-E, only wants Eileen. And she looks so cute. She's got the fucking, uh, the, the purple stuff. Smoke. She's got the purple smoke. She coming got from her eyes. smoky lashes coming from her eyes. And she's so cute. She's like, why me? And Exodus says, because you're the only one he's deemed worthy. Pyro's upset. He wants to know why he didn't get picked. And Exodus says, you might have been considered had you not become tainted. And Pyro was like, what the fuck? But, but Fanta- Pyro was like, you're a taint. 
<laughs> exactly what he said. Yeah. Eileen rejects the, the offer. Um, and then Pyro tries to cheer everyone because everybody's mad. Toad is so mad because Toad was like a sniffling little fuck for Magneto for so long and he didn't get picked. You know, Pyro's like, we still got an afternoon meeting at Jim- Jimmy Buffett's, right? Good. Let's make us some nice git with no strings attached. Who needs Magneto anyway? So, you know, this little story just gave some slight depth to Fantasia more than anything else. But, you know, you know, now on this side of history, everybody knows what they were alluding to with Pyro. But at the time this came out, I was like, what the fuck? How is he? How is he tainted? Um, so I don't know. I, I like this. Uh, I like seeing them all relaxed on a boat, trying to have some fun, even though they were all uh, they're all upset. And uh, Jan Dursima did the art on this. And for the most part, it was OK. But I was kind of iffy about the proportions that she gave to Fantasia, like a lot of uh, the female anatomy in comic books in the 90s, you know, it was quite off. So it was it was a little weird. But anyway, so this this continues in X-Men Annual Volume 2, number two. They're in uh, the Florida Keys. There's this giant mansion that belongs to some dude named Jonathan Chambers. And suddenly fucking Avalanche and Commando bust out of the water and climb up the cliff. And uh, suddenly there's flames. It's the Brotherhood greeting them. And Pyro and Blob are pissed because Avalanche ditched them with uh, with Commando when, and when they had that fucking mission in Iraq. And uh, Chambers comes outside and like with just like a few sentences, he stops to fight. Uh, and then there's some fucking scene with the X-Men and they're talking about the legacy virus and there's some sparring and yada, yada, yada. And we come back to Chambers' mansion and Pyro is like on the fucking balcony and he's coughing and hacking. And Avalanche comes out and this was all really sweet. He tries to explain himself to pyro he was like we were in a dire situation commando was dying like i didn't want to leave you know but we had to uh, and he apologizes and he wants to know like how they got out and so pyro explains it to him and dominic is like well i'm glad you survived bud and then you cut to the view from in from inside looking outside and toad and fantasia are talking and they're watching you know fantasia asks if dominic can help can help john and toad is like well at least emotionally and Blob is like, are they kissing yet? And Fantasia goes, why, Fred? Are you jealous? And I thought that was hilarious. I that was hilarious. also ship them, and it's nice to know <laughs> that Fantasia is a Fajoshi. And Fajoshi... <laughs> yeah, explain that to all the listeners who don't look at your little Japanese porn books that you look at. <laughs> okay, Fajoshi is uh, normally a woman who's really into yaoi. And what's yaoi for the again? It's, uh, the... <laughs> it's um actually usually made for women. It's like you know like a gay man romance thing, but usually the guys are really like feminine. So here we are, you know, early nineties. Fantasia shows herself off as you know the OG gay rights supporter. So good for you, Fantasia. Good. So you know when uh, after Fantasia says, "Why, Fred? Are you jealous?" Like you know, the blob starts to flip the fuck out, and then Chambers yells at Fred, and Fred threatens him. But then all of a sudden, there's this blast that comes out of Jonathan Chambers, and it looks like it's coming out of his neck. It looked kind of weird, but even more than that, it made it look like the blob's flesh was melting. But he's he, he kind of feels bad after lashing out like that, and he just talks again about having a haven for sick mutants that he wants his island to be. And so apparently Xavier has been keeping watch on this guy because he wrote a book and uh, he was on fucking daytime talk shows. Apparently his his second book is out now and he hopes to bridge the gap between man and mutant kind. So when the X-Men learn that the Brotherhood are on the island, they decide to go visit. So- they're just they're just like chilling there and the X-Men are like, let's start some shit. <laughs> 
Well, all right. So, so there's six X-Men, and three of them go in the front door. And this is one of my favorite. Oh, who goes in the back? Yeah, this is one of my favorite lines ever. Because, uh, what was it? Beast, Cyclops, and Rogue go to the front door. And Gambit and Psylocke and Revenge are going in the back. And so Gambit says, we got us a back door, ladies. <laughs> Fucking love that. Classic Gambit. <laughs> But the Brotherhood confront the, the backdoor besties, and, uh, and I love the art, the fiery demon that Pyro makes. But why is Fantasia just standing there? She literally, there's this big splash page, and it's, it's, it's pretty good art. Uh, what's the artist's name? Aaron Weissenfeld? But Fantasia is literally just standing there. She's the most powerful member of the fucking team. She could shut down these three characters, just shut down their powers. And then it's like you turn the page and fucking Psylocke hits her with a psychic knife to the head. But then, you know, the other X-Men from upstairs come see what the ruckus is all about. And Beast reveals that Commando and Avalanche are working for Project Wide Awake. And Pyro was like, what? They're working for the government? Gasp! But, you know, that's just going to stir up even more conflict. So Jonathan Chambers comes down. And there are all these tiny little boxes of panels of him shutting down everyone, the X-Men and the Brotherhood. He leeches mutant powers. And Pyro yells at Cyclops for, like, coming in and starting shit. He's like, this is a refuge, a hospital, a final final resting place. And he reveals to everyone that he's got the legacy virus. It was so sad. He takes off the fucking mask and pulls down, like, the top of his suit. And there's all the fucking gross stuff there. Pyro's the first fucking patient. And Toad says that they knew what they were getting into with Chambers. And Beast and Rogue are, are just giving Pyro shit and Jonathan Chambers shit. And, and Beast is like, what if your actions result in his, in his death? Chambers is like, that's what we're endeavoring to find out. Like, like, this is science. How else would you study it? Yeah, and considering that, like I said, they were just chilling on this island and the X-Men go there and start shit. And, like, they don't even know what the situation is or anything. And uh, so that was really fucked up because Pyro had to basically like out himself with this thing. And, you know, around this time is when AIDS was like a huge deal. And, you know, people didn't know like how it worked, if it was contagious or anything. And Oh, yeah. In the early 90s, there was still a lot of like it exploded. It exploded in the 80s, but there was a ton of misunderstanding still in the 90s. So like you you like imagine like telling people somebody that you have this disease and that nobody knows how it works or how to stop it or if it's contagious or whatever and just like imagine like dealing with that like i don't know i thought that this was like a really good allegory to that yeah absolutely absolutely and uh and and chambers is is 100 right as uncomfortable as the situation seems and again we're talking about like some villains here pyro has never been like an a-list character but like like how else are you going to study this and pyro is willing you know b says to pyro chambers is using you and pyro says i'm using him because apparently like okay so when chambers drains power it like makes him stronger but it also eases some of pyro's pain and then revenge says that we're done here because she has the virus too and she reveals that to everybody and i'm like don't try to steal my baby's spotlight like but but i i I get that as part of like being able to move the story forward because that kind of gets the x-men like oh well well shit you know like one of our this is happening to one of our own now and And they can't uh, point the finger down to fucking anybody you know because this is pyro's choice and uh also iliana had died at this point iliana had died so like they know it's serious yeah and they're really frustrated because they can't do anything to fix it and uh that's just kind of like how 
the 90s X-Men kind of felt to me. I feel like the legacy virus took so many years for them to finally it did. eradicate that like most of the 90s were just like filled with this dread of like which of my favorite characters is going to get this virus and die next. I could be wrong and I'm sure somebody will let me know if I am, but the reveal that Pyro had it was early on in the legacy virus's history. Yes. And I believe that he was the last one to succumb to it. And that was in 2001. So this is how long the fucking legacy virus took X-Men stories. It was like eight years before it was like finally over, I think. But anyway, so I love when Gyrick, uh, because yeah, the fucking, he's, you know, heading up uh, Project Wide Awake and he's got Commando and Avalanche working for him. So Gyrick confronts everybody on the, on the front lawn, uh, the X-Men and Chambers. <laughs> he doesn't have a warrant. And Chambers is like, oh, I, don't worry, I won't be pressing charges against you for trespassing because the operatives you ordered illegally entered my premises. They decided to stay, so just just don't yeah, worry okay. about it. I thought that was fucking hilarious because that asshole had no choice but to turn and walk away with his tail between his legs. So yeah, so again, you know, like Patty said, this was a really interesting way of, of mirroring what was going on in real life. And as sad as it was for Pyro, it really it, it showed some vulnerability to his character who never, you know, had too much before. He was always, like, laughing and just fucking burning shit. So so this this was really interesting. I'm honestly kind of upset that nothing with Jonathan Chambers or this idea continued after this. I feel like this was one of his only appearances in comic books. Yes. And then Pyro kind of went on to just different stories. Like, this didn't continue. Like, he tried to get back to... He wanted to be, like, an assassin and show, like, prove to people that he could still do what he could do and he could still be himself which kind of takes us to uh what we're going to be talking about next which is uncanny x-men volume one 351 so this was mainly a story about cecilia reyes and this wasn't very long after her first appearance and this did some very interesting things for her story and for her plight but of course my my baby is in this story so she doesn't want to be an x-man um, but Iceman helps save her life, and then she in turn helps save Cyclops' life, but she wants to go fucking, she's a doctor, she wants to go work at the hospital, so she fucking leaves the mansion, and everybody at the hospital knows that she's a mutant, because the fucking Sentinel attacked her there, so now she's out as a mutant, but she wants to do everything she can to keep her job, but then, she's pulled from surgery by a family who just, like, doesn't like mutants, Cecilia's own surgical team, they're the ones who outed her as a mutant to the family, um, like, all the fucking co-workers are acting like dicks, and she's, like, really alone. But then all of a sudden, she gets this call to fucking trauma, and Pyro is on this fucking gurney, and he's got, like, these very low-burning uh, flames just consistently coming off of him. He's been shot uh, multiple times, I think, in the abdomen, and he can't turn his flames off, because that's, you know, what the legacy virus does. Like, yeah, it'll kill you, but it's also gonna, like, fuck up your own control over your powers, as you're going through this, he was trying to rob a bank to pay a scientist who said he could cure the mutant gene. So again, this kind of just ignored what was going on. Yeah, it was four years earlier. I don't know how many people in the X office were paying attention, but you know, this, I, I don't feel like it ever concluded that thing with Jonathan Chambers. And I thought that that could have been interesting, but Cecilia can use her force field to remove the bullets, even when the sprinklers are going off and she does it and he thanks her. Yeah, Daredevil comes by, looking all big fucking abs, muscles, and 90s sexy. You know, just he, he's trying to convince Cecilia that she, like, has a higher calling and should be a hero, blah, blah, blah. But when she talks to Pyro, she says that there's some research going on at NYU, and Pyro says that he won't be a guinea pig. 
And I'm like, that doesn't really make sense. Like, you were willing to go through this, like, untested procedure with with Jonathan Chambers. And also this experimental treatment that he just brought up, this issue that he was robbing a bank to pay for. That didn't really make too much sense. But again, how many people in the ex-office really cared about that? I thought it was funny how his resurrection, he said that, like, he was a guinea pig recently in Marauders. Oh, yeah. Yeah. See, these are things that, 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 yeah, I know my pyro. Um, but, uh, but this was the stupidest thing. The stupidest thing. Like, could you loosen my straps? They hurt. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, no, that was really stupid. And she's like, don't make me regret this. She is a doctor. That was, that was pretty much like saying, like, it can't get any worse than this. <laughs> Or being in a horror movie. I'll be right back. Like, come on. What's going to happen? I'm going to go check the garage by myself. <laughs> and not bring a flashlight. Yeah, lo and behold, he escapes. And he's like, yeah. He's like, sorry, love, never trust a villain. And he just jumps out the window. Yeah. So the, she tells the, the her boss, she's like, uh, yeah, Pyro, uh, you don't have to worry about Pyro anymore. And he's like, oh, good, is he dead? And she's like, no, I lowered, I loosened his straps and he escaped. And he's like, you're fired. <laughs> so she goes back to the X-Mansion. So the, the plot of this was good. Again, it, it wasn't, it wasn't, the plot wasn't all about Pyro. He was just kind of in there as a plot device, although it was, it was done kind of effectively, but. But that was just stupid. They, they they could have had him escape some other way. Like burning the straps. Something. Fucking anything. But, uh, but you know, again, and after this, Pyro would just show up randomly, clearly suffering from the legacy virus. I was really happy to see him here, though. Uh, the cover of this issue is fucking amazing by Joe Mad. Pyro looks fantastic on that cover. The final comment that we're going to talk about is Cable Volume 1, number 87. This came out in January 2001, exactly 20 years after Pyro's first appearance in Uncanny X-Men, number 141. And this comic book was pretty bad, uh, for the most part. I warned Patty, because I asked her if she had ever read it before. She said no. I'm like, yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, but it is important to me. It was bad. Uh, when I when I reread this before we recorded, um, I was rereading some a couple of days ago. The art, I'm sorry, the art is really bad. 90s art. It was fucking. Oh ca- wait, 2001 art. <laughs> this cable is saving like a teenage rogue, and she is like proportionally the size of his penis. She's just like so tiny uh, next to his big fucking man muscle body. Uh, and then, but then he he teleports into the middle of the Brotherhood, attacking Senator Kelly, who at this time was currently running for president. So, so I'm thinking, like, this battle is really drawn out. It, it, it goes on unnecessarily or, like, unbelievably long because you have the blob there who, okay, he's not a long-range fighter and he's not standing right next to Senator Kelly, but you have Post and Avalanche who can fucking fight long-range and all fucking Kelly has are, like, a handful of Secret Service agents with their little fucking guns. I'm like, why is there a conflict here? Even if, even though Cable shows up right in the middle, you know, just Avalanche could motion around Cable and lift up some rocks to swallow Senator Kelly. I'm like, why did this last most of this issue? So it was, it was very silly. They, uh, they touch on this old man who's sitting in the corner who's not moving. But one of the Secret Service agents is Colossus in disguise. Whoa, my God, big reveal. And then the old dude who's in the corner stands up and takes off his hat. And Who it's is not, it? It's not an old dude. It's Pyro. And Pyro just says, mastermind. 
And Cable is like, oh shit, and he throws his big fucking axe and it goes right through Mastermind. That was all an illusion. So listen to me. If, again, if that was all an illusion, if the Brotherhood members were not standing where they were really standing, that could have given time for somebody to kill Senator Kelly. Why won't somebody just fucking kill Senator Kelly, goddammit? It's illegal. But anyway, so yeah, basically what I'm getting at is there's a lot of forced dramatic tension. Uh, so when the illusion is goes away... It turns out that Post is standing right in front of Senator Kelly, but then Pyro unleashes a fucking ton of fire. He wasn't, he didn't have a lighter, he didn't have his fucking suit, he didn't have the kerosene tanks. Um, he just made it, and he killed Post with that fire. And then he collapses on the floor and asks Senator Kelly to stop the war coming between mutants and humans. And Kelly says, I promise, and Pyro says, thank you, mate. And the final panel is him laying on the floor dead in, like, Senator Kelly's arms with a few of the X-Men standing around and everybody looking sort of sad. This, he, this act convinced fucking Senator Kelly to change his stance on human and mutant relations, which I thought was amazing. And this, this brought fucking Pyro's journey, which sounds silly, but to me it is. I wrote a song about it once. It's a true story. Uh... <laughs> Of Pyro's journey coming full circle. Again, the first time this guy appeared in January 1981, his he was tasked with helping to assassinate Senator Kelly. 20 years later, January 2001, Pyro uh, sacrifices his life to save Senator Kelly's and convinces this fucking anti-mutant mutant bigot to change his stance. And I thought that that was amazing. Yeah, I didn't actually realize that this was the issue that he died. Yeah, Necrotia was the first time we saw him back before he disappeared again for a bunch of years. But, uh, but yeah, this was it. It's where he died. Um, th this issue was just full of subpar art and lame writing. Uh, it was just dragged out too much. But I feel like just taking the sentiment of what happened with Pyro here and Senator Kelly was really fucking neat. But then Senator Kelly actually did get assassinated not long, not long after that. So that was sad. Yeah, um, it was sad. But he finished on a good leg. He was a good egg. <laughs> Bringing that full fuck? circle. <laughs> Yeah, he, he, you know, he was suffering with this awful disease for a while, and uh, I feel like it was kind of strung out, like, it wasn't with Ileana, but I'm glad that he's back, but I don't like that they forgot that he had just been brought back. Like, and that didn't even happen that much long, like, that long ago, like, oh, it was some random annual in 97. No, like, it just happens. <laughs> uh, maybe somebody you know, working in, on the council or whatever did it because they didn't want to, they didn't want like, you know, 30 something or 40 year old Pyro who's been always been a villain to, you know, be part of mutant kind. They wanted this younger, you know, this younger version before he turned into like a full on villain. I don't really know. I can try to come up with all the logic I want. What I'm just really hoping for is that like, I, I was obviously so excited. I, I did a whole bunch of yelling uh, go back and listen. So excited that he is back and he is featured and ongoing as part of an X-Men team. But I hope that there is a little bit more depth to the character and we get to see more of him just happy burning things. I'm not complaining at all about Marauders number one. That was fantastic. I just hope that, you know, he's not like killed off or kicked off of the team or something ridiculous happens in a few issues. You know, I... I... He falls off the boat and he can't do anything because he's fire. <laughs> Stop. That's messed up. Yeah, I just, I love him so much. Giving him the spotlight was my real porno for Pyro. 
So that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at Mutant Musings. What did you think of the end of Dead Man Logan? And are you loving Dawn of X so far? Join us for a new episode in two weeks, and until then, Pyro was right!